Outside the Box. Hello and welcome to January's Outside the Box. I'm not going to say Happy New Year because I've given up saying that to people. But hello, Mickey Noonan. Oi, oi. And Jen Offord. Very strange, Mickey. Hello. Was that strange? Enthusiasm. That's what it was. No, I said restrained. Oh, restrained. I thought you said very strange. I thought it was restrained compared to some of your efforts. Maybe I need to try harder. It's January. I've got a whole 12 months to build up to some sort of impressive Jen Combust finale. Wiki, wiki, wild kind of uh, vibe. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've done that one, though. I think you have done that, actually. (laughs) I think you have. I think that was the point at which I was like, no, it's gone too far. I think it was after we watched Men in Black and I was just on a... Well, better that than punching someone in the face. Maybe that'll be December. I can't possibly (laughs) forecast. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start with the Emmys, which happened this week. I talked about the creative Emmys, I think. I don't know when I talked about that. Maybe it was in the the mail out. Anyway, these are the, the big Emmys. They have been put back from September. So, for example, The Bear, which was one of the big winners. This is for season one of Mm. The Bear. And season two of The Bear was like six months ago. So a bit confusing over some of this stuff is like 18 months old. For example, we talked about, oh my God, way over a year ago, when Jennifer Coolidge won for White White Lotus. I think it was a Golden Globe. And then Paul Waterhouser won for Blackbird. But actually both of them in in the same things in the same categories like 18 months later i Mm. think it's been now big winners were succession obviously won loads sarah snook lovely weird little kieran culkin (laughs) matthew mcfadden jesse armstrong all took individuals and obviously it won the the big award as well the bear also won a lot i'm Midway with the bear, I think it's watchable, but I don't think it's brilliant. Whereas I think it's brilliant because you always get to say that you don't, and I'm just going to chip in and think, say I think it's well deserved. Fair dues, but it's been the subject of much discussion, and I talked about this back when we were a magazine. That the Emmys decided that if it was something that was half an hour long, it was a comedy, and if it was an hour long, that it was is a weird, drama, right? Whether or not, and it's quite arbitrary. <laughs> I saw a lot of people saying, "Hang on." look at all these comedies that lost out because the bear picked up the comedy awards. So yeah, not really any comedy, you know, comedy actors picking up awards this year. The big loser this year was Better Call Saul, which is now over and has been nominated for something like 55 Emmys over the course of its... 53 it is. Never won a single one. And it's so good. I know you don't do prequel, sequel, Hannah's. I know you don't, but it is such well-written television it's so brilliantly done yeah that is a bit of a travesty another big winner was something that you watched last year jen which was beef Stephen yoon yep. and ali wong both mm-hmm. picked up awards for that ali wong winning means that dominic fishback didn't win which i find quite disappointing because i think genuinely although i wasn't a big fan fan of swarm that was like one of the best performances last year by a hundred miles so a bit of a shame for her. But yeah, mixed bag. Jennifer Coolidge also won. Haven't had time to Google her speech, but I bet it's amazing. <laughs> she thanked all the evil gays. Did she? <laughs> yeah, genuinely. I think I haven't heard that many people talking about beef. and I. But it's obviously done very well in this awards season. Like it did well at the Golden Globes as well. It's really worth a watch. I think it is. It's, it is funny and 
awful <laughs> at the same time. And I, I, I do recommend it. And on a White Lotus tip, Hannah, did you see that season three has announced its casting? And part of the cast includes Walton Goggins. Yes, please. Oh, please. Mm, very exciting. Amazing. And Amy Lou Wood, who I think is great as well. I'm not sure I know who she is. She's in Sex Education and she is oh, okay. like the standout for me. Uh, she and a guy whose name I forget, who are kind of subsidiary characters, but are absolutely steal the show every time they're in the scene. But yeah, she's very good. Okay, things that are coming up. Starting on the 26th of January on Apple, Masters of the Air, which I mentioned ages ago, which is like the final part in the Band of Brothers trilogy, Spielberg and Tom Hanks. This is about, as you can imagine, the Air Force. The first one was about paratroopers, the second one was about marines. The second one, the Pacific, is really, really underrated. It is amazing and it never gets talked about in the same breath as Band of Brothers and it really deserves to be because it's brilliant cast in that it doesn't matter what the cast is in it to be fair it's one of those things in fact you watch band of brothers and realize that everyone in it is now famous but nobody knew who the hell any of them were Mm. at the time steven spielberg's cast his own son in it jude law's son's in it the new doctor who is in it i've no doubt it'll be great it won't be everybody's bag by any stretch of the imagination the goody gut was great isn't he that's the new doctor who and Mm. he's also in sex education as eric and is brilliant it's got barry kyogen in it as well hasn't it I think that's how you say it. I'm not entirely sure. Also, there's a new trigger point coming on ITV on the 28th of January, which is Vicky McClure. So who's not interested in that? She's got to keep herself busy after all those daytime raves. Is that it? Have we only got two things coming up? Well, there's probably more, Jen, but I'm a busy woman. They were the two (laughs) that stuck out. Going to stick with ITV because that's where trigger point is and talk about Mr Bates versus the post office, which I tried to watch in as much as I really wanted to but I just didn't have it in me just didn't have it in me to be that angry I'm trying really hard to be a happier person than I was in 2023 and it wasn't my fault that I was unhappy terrible things happened I'd just rather not choose for something terrible to happen to me which is watch this it's got some amazing people in it obviously Toby Jones Monica Dolan people I love I'm sure it's amazing I wrote about this in the mail out. I don't know if people read the mail out. I think it's an important piece of television. I also think it's revealed quite a lot about how we react to stuff when it's when it's a person being played by Toby Jones, you know, or Monica Dolan, rather than a real person who just runs a sub-post office. How the public hasn't really cared about this until now, so I think it's been quite revealing. But I thought I might talk about it as a TV drama, and Jen, you are the person that dipped into this for us. How far did you get? So I've only watched one episode for similar reasons because it's just dominated the headlines so much that I was a bit like, I, I kind of almost feel like I'm too late to this once it started getting, you know, as, as much coverage as it did. I agree, obviously it's important and, you know, I think a lot of people didn't really know about this while it was happening And so obviously they've come to the party and they're like, this is outrageous and it is and, you know, fair play. And as you said in the mail out, good for them for doing what they've done and bringing it to people's attention. I didn't know about this until like a couple of years ago when my agent told me that she was listening to a podcast on it. And it is like an absolutely scandalous story as a drama. Yeah, it's got really good people in it. I think Monica Dolan's amazing in it from what I've seen. Jambo from Hollyoaks, Will Meller, is in it. And he's very good in it as well, which I don't say that often. So so, so well done to him. It really does show 
I mean, Monica Dillon is amazing in it, actually. I think she really, really, the wild panic in her eyes as she's going through this situation with this software that, you know, there's a fault. I think everyone knows there's a fault with the software. And so the losses that are showing are wrong. And you, as the sub postmaster, you have to make up the losses, basically. It's written into your contract. So as she's just seeing this number go up and up and up and up, and she doesn't know why, and she can't make sense of it, I think she does an incredible job of showing that. I think one of the things that it really highlighted to me, and one of the reasons why I decided I wanted to leave the civil service, was because I was working on a policy at the time that, I don't think I can say too much about this, because they might, like... I don't know. Get you. You do actually have to, like, there's an official secrets act and mm. shit like that. One of the policies I was working on at the time that I left was affecting real life people in a way that I thought was bad, that I thought that people within the civil service, within the ministerial teams were aware of and just wouldn't back down on because they couldn't, you know, they had to save face basically. And I was like, this, this is shit. I don't like being involved in it. And there was a phone line that was set up to help the people who were affected by this policy. And I just thought, and and it's, it's an experience I've had recently when I've had to try and speak to HMRC. And what it made me think about is how you have these people on the end of the phone who are dealing with these situations, these people who actually are quite desperate in some cases. And it's just this kind of voice that's far away and they don't really know what they're doing. Maybe they haven't had the best training. Maybe, you know, you just can't polish a turd when it comes to things like software that doesn't work properly or security tests that don't work properly or whatever it may be. And it made me think about that and like the helplessness of being in that situation and the lack of care and consideration that is given for the real world impacts on actual human beings yeah. and that's the thing that it made me think about and I, I think that they did that in a in a really good way obviously I'm only one episode into it so I think it will it will play out more and we'll see more of the legal side of it and things like that but in that's what the initial kind of episode made me think about well thanks for taking one for the team there Jen <laughs> if you hadn't put your hand up as ITV correspondent many many years ago uh, you could have saved yourself the horror <laughs> do you know what I've got some absolute shit to tell you about later Hannah so uh... <laughs> I want to talk about True Detective number four which is called Night Country only because the three of us have all watched it and we've only one episode is available another thing that's released week by week hooray everybody likes a bit of week by week every so often and not to it's binge like something yeah it really is giving slight praise to hbo for for being the organization that insists on doing things week by week i will undo that praise further along in this podcast but that's something else it's set in alaska it's in the winter so it's in a period of total darkness who doesn't love a tv drama that takes place in total darkness i can imagine (laughs) one of the biggest complaints is going to be i can't see what's going on which to be fair there were a couple of things in this episode jodie foster and kaylee reese she's a former boxer now an actress her shoulders are so impressive man so impressive they are playing two well one detective jodie foster's a detective Reese's character has been demoted and is now more of a beat cop. I've no doubt they will end up teaming up at some point and working to solve this mystery. A group of men have gone missing. They found a severed tongue of a woman. There's a, a long old murder mystery in the background. 
A literal cold case, Hannah, because it's it very It is a literal there. cold case. It also has John Hawkes in it. And the yes. rather brilliant thing about John Hawkes is he either plays absolutely lovely, lovely guys like mm-hmm. he does in Deadwood or he plays like complete bastards like he does in Winter's Bone. And you never know which one it's going to be. So I'm really enjoying wondering whether John Hawkes is going to turn out to be on the side of good or on the side of evil. In this. I'm enjoying how he is seemingly turning into Chris Cooper. He looks Ooh. very like Chris Cooper these days. They always days. have looked quite a lot alike, I think, but even more so now they're old. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's got quite thin, hasn't he? I think the thing that struck me the most, and I know that it struck you too because we were talking about this before we started recording, is how spooky it is, how Ooh, sort of otherworldly really it is. And then I remembered the first one was weird and spooky Yeah, as really well. weird. Yeah. They all have elements of that in it. I think they all have elements of sort of supernatural in them. I think the third one did as well. I didn't watch the second one, to be fair. I didn't watch the second one either. But yeah, I think that's like part of the... I've only ever watched the first one and I've watched Mm. it like three times. And the woo-woo bit was my least favourite bit. That last episode Mm. annoyed me because the rest of it had been so amazing. And we're like, oh, the Yellow King, the Yellow... Oh, fuck off. But the rest of it is incredible and I'd forgotten in the interim of however many years ago that came out because it was a long old time ago. And so, yeah, I was very surprised. But having just finally watched the second season of Yellow Jackets, I'm kind of in the zone. So it was fine. It was fine. With- I just thought it was a bit too creepy for you, Jen. No, it's, it's a bit gross for mm. me. I think that's why I didn't watch the second one. I think I watched the first episode and then they find something not very nice in the desert. And I was like, no, I, I'm not. I'm not doing it. No, it's fine. I didn't find it too creepy my main take home was uh, how unprofessional a uh, local alaskan police force is what are you doing with all those files in your house buddy that's not well, allowed surely as hannah says it could be for good it could be for evil let's mm. find out the mm. thing that struck me as well and it's going to sound like a criticism and it kind of is but i didn't mind it was that the cgi on the animals given how big the budget is the animals didn't look massively believable mm. to me which I, I enjoyed because bad things can happen to animals so it gives me a little bit of removal so I'm like oh it's not a real polar bear it's not real elks doing whatever they're doing I'm sure it's not elks whatever they are but yeah I was like given how big that budget must be I was a bit surprised by that yeah I agree when they sort of buffalo it off a cliff yeah I mean of course it's CGI'd but <laughs> yeah thankfully it's CGI and nothing like you know well rider when suddenly occurred to Jen that they weren't real whales but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about whether or not the animals were CGI. I didn't even think about it again. <laughs> we will revisit that at some point. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I definitely want to watch the rest I'm of it. Very glad that um Fiona Shaw's in it because I didn't realize that she's before I started watching. So I was like amazing. I love her. Yeah, okay, so let's stick with HBO and talk about Julia. Which I'm start crying. watched it all about a week ago before it came out on the uh, preview because I have no self-control, which is why I like <laughs> seeing things week by week. So for those who don't know, it's about the French chef, Julia Child, who is played by Sarah Lancashire, and her husband, Paul, who is played by David Hyde Pierce. And all of these fun, interesting people, some of whom are real, who sort of circulate in their orbit. And by real, I mean they are real historical characters. It starts the series with them all off doing their own thing. Paul and Julia are in France 
Alice is dealing with some personal stuff and some work stuff. Avis has met a new man and also has a night out on the lash with John Paul Sartre. Judith's got too much to do and is fighting off the advances of Jacques the Lad himself, Jacques Brel. Russ is reinventing himself as a documentarian. And this goes on for several episodes. So ordinarily in a series, they, that, they do all of that by the first episode and then get the gang all back together. But this goes on for, I think, about three episodes that they're all off doing their own thing. And don't get me wrong, I love all these characters. I love what they're doing. I love spending time with all of them. But what for me, I just, when are they all going to get back together? When are they all going to get back together? Because it is them all working as a team. That, to me, is the brilliance of Julia. Now, of course, some of the brilliance of it also was this just chaotic, what the fuck's happening here, energy as they tried to make the first TV series. But now it's like a well-oiled machine. So what does hold them all together? What does keep them all together? And it's pretty simple. It's that they all fucking love Julia. They just love her. She's this kind of ridiculous creature, this incredibly statuesque woman with this sort of tiny, high-pitched, shrieking voice. And underneath, she's this really funny, bawdy woman that you just wouldn't expect to live in in the sort of the time and the body that she's put in. And my absolute favourite episode is where they do a telethon to try and raise money. And Sarah Lancashire is just magic. How they all feel about Julia is how I feel about Sarah Lancashire. Hmm. Every single second, she is absolutely magic. Make her a dame, please. Why isn't she a dame? Is it because she's on the telly rather than in theatres? I don't know. But I think she's amazing. The terrible news, not since the period between May 2004 and May 2005 when HBO cancelled Carnival and Deadwood. But have I been so angry with them in that they have cancelled winning time and now julia in a in i don't know about a four month period i don't know what the fuck they're playing at the only positive thing i can say at all is that the last line of this is absolutely chef's kiss and although they didn't know they were going out at this point they went out on a brilliant beautiful line mech I was very excited to have Julia back in my life. And I'm going to start this by saying that Sarah Lancashire is incredible. She's absolutely amazing. And I agree with everything you've said. And for me, them going their separate ways and spending time with all of these different characters that surround Julia and are bonded by their love for Julia, their very understandable love for Julia, was interesting. But some of them I just don't care enough about. I'm like... I love spending time with Alice. I really love spending time with Avis. I don't really care about Judith. She started in this series. Like, everything she says is like this little Dorothy Parker bonmo. And I'm like, nobody talks like that. And it started to really annoy me. And I found her storyline with Blanche just annoying. Just speak up for yourself when you are supposed to be this incredible outspoken woman. Mm. That's why you're as good as you are and doing what you're doing. I didn't like... The in, the introduction of a twin for for Paul. No. How many have you watched out of interest? Six. I've watched right. six. And I found it as lacked focus because the focus of that first series, yeah. which was so joyous, Agreed. was the making yeah. this TV show. Yeah. 
And I just find it's not as charming. I am not as charmed. I still have a lovely time. I'm going to finish it, but I'm not eager to watch it in the same way. Oh, that's interesting. If this was going to be the last one, I'm like, okay, because if it went even more off track, I don't know that I would watch it. Can I ask, are you a fan of Fraser? I do like Fraser, yeah. It's very similar to Fraser, not just because it's got David High Pierce and BB Newith in it. But I love her. She's amazing. the sort of humour in it. The fact that it puts the celebrities in it and they're John Updike. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Rather than you know Stephen King. Obviously, it's because it's true. But right, I mean, I don't mean Stephen King, but a name that everybody would recognise. It's. I think it's just really wryly funny. It makes me laugh a huge amount. There's a lovely scene where Avis has found this new this new man, and then she goes off him, and then she's explaining to Julia she wants to bring him for dinner, and Julia says, "Why are you running away from him?" And David I. Pierce says, she's done a full lap. Yes, yeah. It's, it's really funny. The other thing that I really like about it, did you know what Alice's series about women was called? Yeah, by women, for women. It's our strap for line. Women, it's our strap line, yeah. For women, yeah. by women. It was, yeah. And they do deal with women's issues. What I really like about it is, because I said it reminded me of Mad Men, all of those chaotic episodes where they were like, fuck, let's start a new company. Like it had that, it doesn't have that energy anymore. This series appeared to be about female friendships and how women interact with each other because it's particularly interesting because not everybody loves Julia and Julian doesn't love everybody. Mm. Like there is a, a new member of staff and they rub each other up the wrong way because Julia's not a feminist. All the feminists are inspired by her, but Julia is not a feminist. And so it's interesting how women interact with each other. And I think it's got the full gamut of how women interact with each other. You know, how she interacts with with the the other writer, how she interacts with Avis and how Alice and the new director interact together. I I think there's not enough TV about about women of this age and how they how they interact with each other. I don't think I I was I'm desperately disappointed it was cancelled, I have to say. I, I agree with you. I just I just wish it was as good as the first series and for me and obviously it's all subjective, but for me it just doesn't it just doesn't do it the same way. Agreed. Shall we take a break and come back and talk about some other stuff? Okay. Welcome back. Mickey, tell me anything that you've watched, please. Hannah, 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 I watched a thing on BBC One called Attenborough and the Giant Sea Monster. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> seriously i genuinely thought gary was having me on when he asked if i wanted to watch it i thought he just made up the title of a program he thought i would like and i was like yeah right and he was like no no it's a thing and what an absolute delight this program is david attenborough giddy's a schoolboy following the discovery of a skull of a prehistoric sea monster known as the t-rex of the sea or to use its proper name a pliosaur so the pliosaur 12 meters long mainly teeth it stored the seas 150 million years ago and makes shark look like a goldfish. Okay, not quite, but this was one hell of a beast. So when fossil hunter Phil Jacobs found a two metre long snout on the beach of Dorset's Kimmeridge Bay, there was no question that this was the discovery of a lifetime, a, a real huge find. We follow a big old effort to extract the big old fossil from halfway up a crumbling cliff that is genuinely heart in mouth at times, aided by how damn excited everyone involved is everyone is so thrilled that this is happening so worried that they might lose it that energy is really contagious and you know also credit to attenborough that he can make blokes faffing about on a cliff face engaging and he does i love him 
There are also loads of hands-on experiments, chats with expert paleontologists who are mostly women, hooray, and some excellent CGI depicting what life as a pliosaur was probably like, with references to modern-day animals, crocodiles, dolphins, sharks, and, surprisingly, penguins, to give a bit more context as to how the pliosaur moved and ate. It's like an hour just full of wonder, and so I'm going to leave you with words from the nature boss himself, who says, The detail which you can deduce is mind-blowing. He is at this point talking to a paleontologist. I used to think paleontology was just a question of finding a fossil and digging it out and saying how nice it was. You've Mm. made it sound rather different. Amazing. Hannah, you're in cocoon again, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I look like that picture when Joe over airbrushed Lucille Bluth and her face just went, she had to to say she was an albino, yeah. It's very sunny in my lounge, (laughs) just in case anybody was wondering. Okay, brilliant. Thank you, Mick. No, thank you, BBC. And I just say keep writing in, guys, and they will make the programme you suggest at some point. (laughs) I want to talk about Slow Horses, which is on Apple. I went to try and get an interview with someone in it and it didn't pan out, but I did start watching it because I've got three months free. Because I got a new phone, they gave me uh, three months free of Apple TV. You guys must have heard of it, but I'm taking it you haven't watched it. Jen, you've got Apple. Uh, I had it and um, then they put the prices up quite dramatically, so I got rid of it. (laughs) You know what? There isn't actually that much on it. It doesn't have anything like the volume that Netflix or perhaps other, or Disney does but it it did bring hijack to my life so yeah there is that, that. I'll always it does be have bad sisters as well yeah no i'm not saying there's not good stuff on it but in terms of volume there isn't a huge amount anyway slow horses based on the slough house books by mick heron it's about a department in mi5 where people get sent when they've made a massive mistake but not a big enough mistake to get sacked then they're given terribly boring jobs there in the hope that they'll just get bored and leave and then mi5 won't have to do a massive payout for them so for example character played by jack loudon makes a very public mistake in a at stansted airport in a training exercise amy fion edwards plays a character who has a terrible temper they're gamblers they're all sorts of stuff they're people who need to not be there anymore but they can't get rid of so they're sent to this department which is run by Jackson Lamb, who is played by Gary Oldman. Now, you'll read a lot of stuff about how great Gary Oldman is in it, and I'm here to say all that stuff is absolutely true. But what's amazing is, when you look at his more famous roles recently, like he played Churchill and he played Truman in the Oppenheimer film, most people didn't even recognise it was Gary Oldman playing Truman. It's because he's under all of these prosthetics, so it's an amazing transformation but it's amazing transformation with the help of a lot of makeup and stuff like that. This is an amazing transformation that Gary Oldman has done himself. He's put on a lot of weight, he's grown his hair, he doesn't wash while he's making it. And the coat that he wears in it is so filthy. Honestly, I think when I was about 15, I thought he was the most beautiful man on earth. And looking at him now, it is, oh my God, he is repulsive in this. So <laughs> it's such a complete transformation. His assistant secretary, the office manager, is played by Saskia Reeves. It's called Catherine. She is a former alcoholic. That's how she ended up there, or a recovering alcoholic. 
Chris has got Thomas and Sophia Canadu play the women who are now running MI5. He has to deal with one or other of them. Normally, it's Chris and Scott Thomas. And there's a lot of action. There's a lot of drama. But if you look at the writers, two of the writers, there are four writers. One of them is Will Smith, who won Emmys for writing for Vape. And the other one is Moore Wenner-Banks, who is Moore Wenner-Banks. Mm-hmm. This is funny. It's really, really funny. We were talking about the... Uh, Sopranos earlier because my nephew started watching it and he was really amazed he kept saying to my brother I can't believe how funny it is and it is because yep. it's clearly not a comedy but it's really funny well it's an hour long Hannah of course it's not a comedy we've established that <laughs> there's an amazing bit in the first series of this where um Dustin Demery Burns from Cardinal Burns and lots of other stuff besides his character accidentally kills a man and he calls Gary Oldman's character to come and you know, help him fix it. And he says to Gary Oldman, uh, I didn't mean to kill him. And Gary Oldman says, I know you didn't mean to fucking kill him. If you'd meant to kill him, he wouldn't be dead. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just full of just lovely, lovely, funny lines like that. I want to say a couple more things about it. Everybody will say, if you Google anything to do with Jack Loudon, everyone will say how much he looks like Simon Pegg. I don't think that's the issue. It's how much he sounds like Simon Pegg that is incredible. It's really distracting. I mean, he's still brilliant in it, but another thing that I want to say is that Kristen Scott Thomas is wonderful, and we had this conversation the other day, but I'm going to say it again. She is a 62-year-old woman, and she looks really beautiful, but more importantly, she looks like a beautiful 62-year-old woman. And not someone who's had a crap load of work done on her face. And it's so refreshing to see a woman her age just embrace age, just get older and still look absolutely wonderful. Still have a wrinkled forehead and little crow's feet and still look like the most glamorous, beautiful woman on earth. I mean, she's got cracking foundations, hasn't she? Mm. Having just been forced to watch four weddings and a funeral. She didn't start off like the back of a bus, did she? No. She started off looking pretty She's fucking a pretty, gorgeous. Yeah. Pretty lady. You mentioned The Sopranos. Can I tell you what I've been watching? Because it's Sopranos based. I've been watching The Sopranos on TikTok. Now, The Sopranos has an official account on TikTok. I don't know if either of you knew about this. Jen, you've not watched The Sopranos, so probably not of interest to you. Although maybe this is a way for you to get into it. Because someone... I don't want to see it. It's just, for some reason, it's never quite come up. Do you know what okay. I mean? I'm not, I'm not against it. I'd quite like to watch it. It's just never quite come up. I mean, it comes up pretty much every month on Outside the Box. Because yeah. it's no, the but it's never, like it's, it's never come up like at the right time for me. I don't know why. Like, it's it's anyway. an investment because there are seven yeah, series. Exactly, exactly. 6.5 yeah. series. Anyway, someone has condensed each episode of The Sopranos for the first two series into 25 second TikToks. And they strangely, mostly work as a summary of that episode it's an absolutely fascinating experiment it has of course made me want to watch the sopranos for the eighth time through but it's well worth a look it's very interesting are you doing Sorry, a rock just... and roll sign oh no, you're doing the poorly walnuts poorly walnuts point jen you said you had something else to watch can i ask was it after the flood no but my mum has started watching that and suggested that we should um get on yeah, it. it so maybe i will it's by Happy Valley Producers, which is big, big, big. It's on ITV, but it's big on the thing by the producers of Happy Valley. This is like when I moved into this flat and it was marketed as close to Hackney. <laughs> it's very close to Hackney. It stars Sophie Rundle, who was in Happy Valley, Lorraine Ashbourne, who I love, Philip Glenstar, and lots of other people that you'll probably recognise from other stuff. Is he called Jonas? Um, 
Armstrong, is that his name? Maybe. It sets up somewhere in the north. It's kind of non-specific. And it is a murder mystery that takes place in a town that has been flooded. And I watched the first episode just to see what it was like because I was curious. Because I wanted to live near Hackney, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all both? We do, Jen. I think it's got some really interesting political points to make about flooding. About, you know, how more stuff needs to be done to help people and how overdevelopment in villages is making flooding worse. I just wish they hadn't Mm -hmm. tacked a murder mystery onto it, to be honest. (laughs) I wish they just made a drama about floods. Yeah, I kind of do. I'd be interested to know what you think of it, Jen. I'm not going to watch any more, to be honest. It it, it didn't really grasp me. But if uh, if you do watch it with your mother, maybe you can talk about it next time. But Hannah, there's a mysterious stranger who saved a baby. What's he got to do with the body they found? Yeah. I mean, that sounds right up That sounds right up Jen Street. I'm in. (laughs) Sign me up. Jen, what did you watch that was horrific? (sighs) Oh, my God. So I'll start this with a question for you both. Who the fuck is Harlan Coben? Oh, and why have oh, I allowed him to fool me more no. than once? He is a a writer, like a sort of thriller, murder type writer, who is airport real thrillers. airport fiction, yeah. And for some reason, Netflix has remade every single love one of his him. things. I think they love him, yeah. Love him. But you know what? <laughs> they do. I've seen so many people on Twitter saying, oh, I watched it and it was quite good. It's got Michelle Keegan in it, isn't it? It's not good. I mean, I know it's not good. It's It's on Netflix and it's Harlan Coben. It's awful. It's so bad. Harlan Coben's fooled me once and he... He's fooled me again. It's not even the first time he's fooled me. (laughs) Now you're the fool, Yeah, I am, yeah. I have trodden this track before with Harlan Coben and yeah it didn't end well that time so I don't know why I've come back but yeah it's fool me once with as you say Hannah Michelle Keegan who if we want to talk about women and um leaving their faces alone she's 36 and it depresses me it just it it makes me sad she's given herself Leanne Battersby syndrome because she could be any age now rather than the beautiful 36 year old Mm. that she is underneath all of that filler anyway sorry i don't want to be judgy judgy it's uh i just it just depresses me anyway moving swiftly on from that she plays maya stern who is like the central character and basic her husband dies he, he gets shot in a robbery gone wrong or so we think and her sister's just quite recently been shot and it and there are lines in this like it's strange isn't it it must be really hard for you given that both your sister and your husband have been shot so recently <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> like oh do you think that might be significant i'm not sure yeah it's written for idiots it is absolutely but hang written on, for isn't idiots. one of our greatest actors in it yes and all I want to say about this, a deal actor, I hope they paid you all the money in the world to make this shit because it is shit. Her job is she's a fucking helicopter pilot instructor. That's a job, like, it's, <laughs> it's utterly ridiculous. It's got Joanna Lomley in it as well. And I mean, make of that what you will. I don't really have a lot to say about this. Oh, oh no, there's another thing to say about it, which is about as significant as it gets. It's got Emmett Scanlon in it, who I usually think is great, but he doesn't have a beard, and there's a reason why he has a beard, basically. That's that's about all I have for you. 
exactly that i mean i've watched three episodes of it and i almost certainly will watch the rest of it Uh, it's total trash and it is written for idiots i'm that idiot i am that idiot well i've seen a lot of chat on twitter about it and sorry i'm just talking into a water bottle that works well for a (laughs) podcast um people seem to like it i don't know why i think it's something to do with i mean i haven't seen it but I think given that, you know, how he writes and, you know, he's obviously very, very successful. And the Netflix, the way they work, where all they want you to do is watch the next episode. I think it must be brilliantly put together in that sense that it makes people just carry on watching, even if they don't want to. Also, mindless, sort of mindless telly. No offence to your telly choices, Jen, but sort of mindless telly like for January. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have I talked about The Couple Next Door? Did I talk about that last time? No. Because I watched that as well, which is also, like, the, the dialogue is awful. And Wh- where's I just that? sat there watching it. It's on Channel 4. And it was in a lot of people's, like, top picks mm, for TV I, I last year. And I cannot understand it. It just doesn't make sense to me. I sat there watching it with my mum and I was just going like, they're sex people, Lynn! (laughs) (laughs) They're sex people, by the way. Apparently, if you're in an open relationship and you fuck your neighbours, it doesn't end that well. Who'd have thought it? What's that expression about not shitting on your own doorstep? Yeah. Doesn't say next door's doorstep though, does it, Hannah? No, it doesn't. But I suppose <laughs> if you shit on your own doorstep on the way back from fucking your neighbour, I mean the effect is much the same. I mean, I live yeah. in London. I share a doorstep with my downstairs neighbour, so you know. Yeah. But Liz is safe. If she's Liz, Liz, if you're listening, she's not. Uh, she. I know it's a long way up to your toilet. Anyway, I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad that's the only consideration, <laughs> Hannah. Come on over. Uh, it's always easier to go downstairs. But anyway, moving on. I wondered whether anybody had watched, not to moan, but I had COVID over Christmas after just recovering from flu. And the only thing that I managed to do apart from sleep was watch The Christmas Ghosts. I saw almost nothing else. I wasn't that overwhelmingly pleased with it, I have to say. I would rather, I think, with hindsight, that the series had ended where it ended and not had the Christmas. It did, Hannah. That's that's what I'm going forward thinking. The series ended at the end of the last series. They didn't do a Christmas special, which seems unusual when it was their finale, but they decided not to do one. That's what I is making. um, If I say it, it's true. Yeah, because it was it was really disappointing, and I loved it so much. So I don't I don't want to slag it off because it has been. Five series of absolute joy and laughter and warmth and poignancy. But yeah, that had none of that for me. No, I agree. I agree. Anybody else watch anything over Christmas that they want to mention? I watched the new, uh, because obviously I have a child, I watched the new uh, Julia Donaldson offering. So every year they make like a... uh, a cartoon of a Julia Donaldson book. And this year it was Tabby McTat and it was fucking delightful <laughs> just wonderful obviously it does have my friend Cariad in it uh she's oh, one of the voices and also susan wakoma is the voice also lovely stuff. of one of the cats and uh and tabby mctat is played by shope dirisu sorry i've just butchered that name i think who i think is a fantastic actor as well and it's got like rob bryden in it and various other people it's Lovely. I love all of those Julia Donaldson cartoons that they do. We watch them quite a lot with Lyra during quiet time, which is um, when she won't go for a nap. (laughs) (laughs) We watch something calm and soothing on the TV instead. And yeah, I love them. So 
if you do have kids and you don't know about this, you almost certainly do. But go on iPlayer and you can find all of them. The Snail and the Whale, Room on the Broom. They've always got like amazing casts and they're all just lovely. Anybody else got anything that they want to talk about before we sod off? Jen mentioned uh, Jambo from Hollyoaks, Will Meller earlier. I just wanted to say that he once offered to buy me a drink from a free bar. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like exactly the kind of thing I would think that Jambo <laughs> slash Will Meller would do as well. Outside the box. 